welcome. We are podcasting from London. Hi to all Londoners that decided to join me again and to all new listeners. You are listening to the Pursuit of Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Daria Tiesler, health educator, ex-professional athlete, personalized and lifestyle medicine advocate, registered nutritional therapist, personal trainer, performance coach, and a founder of Daria Tiesler Wellness. Your search for wellness is just about to begin. Each time you set your frequencies onto pursuit of wellness, you are going to discover something new about yourself, your health, your body, your mind, and your soul. This podcast is going to explore the foundations you need for a successful body transformation. In the month of New Year resolutions, this is a very hot topic and weight loss is a very common goal to many people. I divided this topic into two parts. In this episode, we look at the basics and in the next episode, we will touch more on things like inflammation, gut health, hormonal condition, stress, sleep, because they all can influence your end results. Okay, let's introduce our expert. Five, four, three, two, one, let's go. I would like to welcome on my podcast, Mike Porter. I met Mike 10 years ago, and he was one of few people that actually helped shape my journey as a personal trainer. Mike has played as a ice hockey, was a ice hockey player for Great Britain and has been in top six in the British bodybuilding championships. He learned from legendary Olympic coach Charles Polikin and top 10 Mr. Olympia Milos Sarsev. Mike also created Porter Principles and his approach to body transformation is very straightforward, but from what I know from Mike now, also looking at the holistic aspect. Hi, Mike, and welcome to Pursuit of Wellness podcast. Mike, tell us more about your fitness and personal journey. Okay, well, um, where to start? Probably would be best to start at the beginning. Um, I've been training pretty much now for 25, I'm going to give a little uh, clue to how old I am now, for about (laughs) 25 to almost 30 years now. Um, started at the young age of 11 years old, believe it or not, lifting weights, uh, always had the ambition to get big and strong. And yeah, that took me through during my hockey years, as you mentioned. And I would say towards my early twenties was when I got really serious about, um, weightlifting and subsequently bodybuilding. And I've come now full cycle to the point where I would say I'm more of a recreational weightlifter rather than a bodybuilder. Um, Stole that phrase from a friend of mine. Um, And yeah, basically, I'm looking more now, probably along the lines of you, Dario, looking more at, at wellness. Not a word I necessarily use that much, but I think it would describe more of my approach now. So definitely still lift weights. But as you grow older, goals change a little bit. Sometimes, uh, despite maybe uh, still having that burning desire there, you, yeah. injuries and such uh, kind of force you to uh, modify. I like this. Re- re- how did you say recreational? 
recreational <laughs> weightlifter, but that is not my term. Uh, what does it mean? What it. does it mean? This? I guess it would mean um, a more relaxed approach to, you know, the, the idea that you still lift weights quite seriously, but you're not necessarily um, trying to break Olympic uh, records or step on stage for bodybuilding competition. And that is actually the reason re because of rec recreational bodybuilding, I I invited uh, you to this uh, podcast because, uh, as you said, the approaches changes uh, once we get in older, right? And I can see how you can uh, help our audience to think about uh, what is this body transformation uh, topic. You mentioned wellness. What does it mean, wellness? Um, well, yeah, like wellness is, um, you know, definitely... Um, buzzword I would say um, in recent years um, I actually quite like it don't use it a lot myself necessarily but I think it's a good word to describe uh, a more holistic approach um, to general health uh, and well-being so yeah for me yeah, wellness would be a, a combination of physical and mental health and trying to optimize those Yeah, I think that I agree with you. That's why I like it as well, because it gives us something beyond physical, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just fitness and we thinking much more about mental side of our human being, right? Mike, we are discussing optimization of body transformation. What is body transformation? Um, well, for me, I, you know, I can only talk from myself and body tr transformation for me would be a significant or hopefully even dramatic change um, to the body and the mind. Um, unfortunately, it could go both ways. It could be a positive or a negative transformation. And uh, I, I focus ideally on positive transformation. Yes. And when clients are coming to see you and they said, I want body transformation, there is anything behind this? What does it mean this for them? How you helping them to uh, clarify? Is this part of, right? Is this part of that change? Yeah, well, if you're um, indicating more towards goals, mm -hmm. because, yeah, you're right, transformation is a very broad um, description. Mm -hmm. And with my clients, you know, as quickly as I can, I'm trying to assess exactly what they want. Because, mm. um, yeah, it doesn't really um, define things well to say transformation. For me, as I said, it would be a dramatic or significant or dramatic change. So... It would all depend on their start point. You know, if I have someone coming to me, you know, extremely overweight, it may be that a transformation for them is to drop, you know, X number of kilos rather mm -hmm. than trying to get that six pack um, beach body look. Not to say that they can't achieve that too, but that may be something that needs to be worked towards rather than, uh, you know, we're going to hit 12 weeks and get you from extremely obese to extremely lean. Right. Um, yeah. Right. But I tend to get as mm. big a result as I can is, is my approach generally. Right, right. And what are the uh, Porter principles? I looked at your website, right? Mm. And you had uh, great Porter principles. Uh, I, I really like very strong. What is that? Well, Porter principles really is just a play on, um, you know, the, the definition of principles, meaning like fun, almost like laws, as it were, or rules mm -hmm. um, to the system. So, I mean, I have so many. Um, to list from being, you know, keeping in training intensity to a certain level to frequency, you know, we could go on forever. Um, but yeah, it's just really, like you said in the intro, is I'm, I'm a back to basics type of person, 
nutrition right, training right, rest, etc. And you know, I try to keep things as simplistic as possible. It's about uh, at the start basics and foundations, right? Does mm-hmm. not make sense to go more and more if we cannot really hit that. Is is the only thing that you think in the transformation of physical or there is also something beyond that yeah um in yeah. your case and how you work with clients and maybe what people are kind of uh, i would like that they expand everyone who mm-hmm. listen us i want that they expand and maybe transformation is something beyond physical is that oh yes um you know i've got more you know and i think not just myself i think there's a collective uh change going on in terms of people's approach to um what a transformation is and yes mind and body very much intertwined um it's interesting like a lot of clients that will come in out of shape um underestimate perhaps the the mind aspect or how much the mind plays a role in them achieving their goals in in other words if they haven't um you know obviously most people that come to transformation have made that decision they want to change but they might not necessarily be in a place mentally where they where they ready to change and wanting something and being ready to achieve something is two separate things um i don't necessarily i'm not a psychotherapist so it's not necessarily things that i have a specific protocol for but absolutely i'm always trying to figure out what this person really wants um what their barriers are to making those changes and how i can implement whether it be a training technique or a diet technique to help them get there i mean as a side note what i find a lot in the industry is there's a, actually a lot of people that are in shape which let's say for example tend to be trainers um might not be in necessarily a great mental space themselves and although a lot of the people also coming to get trained are necessarily in a good mental state in terms of readiness to change etc um it might not be that change in the physical um that's necessarily really going to help them as much as they think in the mental so it's it's basically it's very much again a holistic thing i think they can complement each other um but it's not necessarily going to solve you know mental issues like exercise definitely good for mental health but i wouldn't necessarily say that that transformation physically is going to fix all their problems mentally um just purely because of the fact of many people being in shape not necessarily also being happy right but yeah. but still you know you uh you're talking about mind and uh, in my opinion trainers need to reach that scope of understanding a little bit beyond physical right because if client comes to you they may they may be not aware that that is important and i want to stress here that that's very important oh, so maybe yeah. trainer is not the ultimate solution but trainer should be able to scan someone that you know there is a mental barrier oh, 100%. stopping someone from progressing or getting further forward right yes uh, yeah i would agree with that completely um uh, the, that would be a sign of a good trainer you know there's more than as the saying goes there's more than one way to skin a cat and um you know you have to look at your client as an individual uh the the word um bespoke and custom gets thrown around i think too loosely 
Um, but yes, probably more so from a mental even than a, um, a protocol sense. So in other words, protocol being the specific training program, the specific diet, those are important. But I think being able to empathize with your client and figure out, yeah, mentally what's perhaps holding them back or what can enhance their transformation, definitely that's important. Yeah. yeah. Okay, there are some misconceptions that I found about body transformations. Would you list for us a few? Have you heard about, do you think there are any uh, misconceptions about body transformation? Oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure your list may be longer <laughs> than mine. Um, but yeah, there's many. I think for me, one of the biggest misconceptions would be um, the length of time so that it takes for them to achieve a specific goal. Um, and this is not helped by, you know, the huge amount of advertising that's used to promote, you know, before and afters. Um, so yeah, that would definitely be my number one. Um, I would say number two perhaps would be the impact of poor nutritional habits. Um, you know, your average client perhaps doesn't realize a, how many calories are in a certain piece of food or, or, or meal. Um, and B, how many, the frequency of that type of eating, how that can impact their overall weight loss, fat loss goals. Um, uh, sorry, remind me again. I've lost is, is we talking about misconceptions, misconceptions about the transformation? Yeah. You mentioned time, right? So time, nutrition, impact of nutrition. nutrition, of nutrition. Um, also, we could say again with impact of training. In other words, just, you know, a lot, yeah. again, a lot of people, I think, um, hone in. And when I'm talking about people, I'm talking about industry here. Yes. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on doing the minimum amount possible. Obviously from an advertising standpoint, that's a good sell that gets good buy-in like, Hey, you only have to train with me three times a week doing weights and we're going to get this amazing transformation. Um, not to say that's incorrect, but I think it's misleading. Um, I think the average person needs to do a lot more activity and they perhaps realize. Um, so yeah, I w those three for me are a big one. Um, and then going back onto the mind aspect, um, but just the overall discipline, you know, consistency is a big part of a transformation. So consistent with food, consistent with training. And if you're not mentally prepared for that, um, yeah, you know, you, you know, many people come in thinking, you know, I've paid X amount of pounds for the, for the package and I'm going to get it, you know, but it, unfortunately it's not like going to cut your hair. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I agree with you, right? I, I think also about um, body transformation, look at, uh, look at this uh, from the perspective of lifestyle change. And I think that is another thing if I would like uh, add to your list, at least for me, uh, people uh, kind of so focus on the first initial three, four, five months, let's say, if five months is already long, right? But they're not thinking what mm -hmm. then, right? And they're very kind of, yeah, like narrow. But after that, you still have to live. So you need to be able to change and transform over the time and also I think understand yourself understand that's why this mental side comes right understand your uh, be aware of my triggers be aware why I'm actually reaching for this food I, this is emotional eating I am hungry my blood sugar is dropping right and I think that's also what I would add right that for, for me at least body transformation is a beginning 
of something mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. end up with me being happier in life, mm -hmm. uh, improving my relationship, uh, not only fitting into my genes. If that is important, perfect, right? But I think many people have this inner goals that they maybe would like to fulfill. Yeah, how do, that, you, how do yeah, you see this? Uh, absolutely, that makes sense. Like, I think you touched on a good one there. Um, you know, lifestyle, hab you know, forming habits that will change your lifestyle for the better um, and realizing that, you know, it is a longer or ongoing um, process that, you know, you can transform in X number of weeks. And, um, but if you haven't implemented a plan that you can then be consistent with long term, then you may find yourself back to where you were at the beginning quite quickly. Um, especially, you know, again, subject to the methods used. So yeah, it's, um, I think definitely that, you know, a misconception there is that, you know, oh, you do this transformation and then you're fixed. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you want that transformation to last, then there's more to it. Than, That's why you yeah. also uh, talk about the time frame, frame right? Mm -hmm. And we discussed this a little bit before uh, our podcast and you said, you know, we need to really know, like manage our expectations, right? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's not a trainer who has to manage expectations, but also client. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah. And I think often is thrown on trainer. You have to manage if I get or I don't. Mm -hmm. But we forgetting clients and we as well, right? Is We're talking specifically about body transformations. But sometimes we we think, oh, I can't get this and this in three months because, again, someone else got it. Right? So I think it's time. And I think you also was mentioning once about comparison of the results. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That's what comparison, personal, sorry? Comparison, yeah. comparison, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, there's a big issue. I mean, that you know, there, as we mentioned about barriers as before and, you know, genetics is something that plays a big role um, in a transformation. Um, unfortunately, we're not all dealt the same hand as it, as it were in terms of genetics. Um, so, yes, managing the expectations of what that individual can achieve is, is, is very important. Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree. I'd be, I'm in agreement with that. <laughs> yeah, and there is one more, I think, misconception. And I think you mentioned that, Mike. Um, if someone is willing to change, that's you also said as a one yeah, misconception. Being ready, right? but yeah, or, no, for me it was you have, um, you know, everybody obviously wants to change. Um, I, well, I say everybody, but, you know, anyone who's called X person up for a transformation, uh, project, you know, whether it be calling yeah. up yeah. wellness, Daria, yeah. or yeah, yeah. calling up poor principles, they've obviously want, they have a desire to change, but whether they're ready to change is, is a different story. So that's the, that's the big mental side of it in terms of, you know, figuring out again, like you said, what, what triggers might cause them to uh, prevent them from getting to making that change. What um, techniques we can use to reinforce the good um, steps that they're making. So, um, yeah, ab absolutely. And when you said uh, we have someone wanting to change, thinking about this, and someone knows that is ready for change, right? There are two those options. There is anything that you know that you tell your clients or you see, I can tell that this person is ready to change. There are some characteristics. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you, if we have to, if someone say, okay, do I'm ready to change, or I just think about that. Well, the thing is, if someone's ready, um, is willing and ready, then it's kind of a no-brainer. Like for the trainer, it shouldn't there shouldn't really be any issues. It's only really an issue for the person that's not ready, right? Like, um, and this is a hard thing to just pick up right off the bat. You know, you there could be many different factors. It, it could be an unsupportive partner. It, it could be a psychological, um, you know, um, you know, an, an illness, you know, that, that's causing them. Um, you know, honesty is a big thing for me, and we've talked about this in the past. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, misreporting, underreporting in terms of nutrition from a client side of things. So, some of these things are not going to surface. You know, you obviously a good. Um, uh, consultation, where, which I believe most trainers should be doing, um, if not every trainer. Um, you're going to pick up things in there because from the questions you ask them, their backgrounds, etc. But a lot of this you're not going to really figure out until you've got to know the person and then that's going to come through, you know, subsequent sessions. And then you may, and you may have to continually modify and adapt because of those um, issues that are barrier, causing barriers to change. Um, but in terms of te so techniques for, for trying to pick those up, I guess then I've answered it there in a, in a roundabout way would be formulating a good questionnaire or question answer type system um, using what they would call open-ended questions. So trying to get your client to talk and reveal as much as possible about perhaps previous attempts at changing their diet and their training, um, potential problems, things they dislike, you know, getting to know your client as well as possible, as fast as possible is definitely going to help you with a strategy to enhance their ability to change. Um, but it's not necessarily something you're going to pick up straight away. I think, yeah, I you, think because people yeah. are not aware that that is another reason, right? Yeah. You might not pick because they won't tell and then as you said, this is not a therapy session, so you're not sitting mm -hmm. with uh, them for two, three hours and just discussing mm -hmm. certain mm, mental behaviors, right? Even yeah. I know myself that sometimes when I train someone, I would cut 15-minute sessions from training because I feel that maybe that is needed to, that someone get aware of something, right? I think another few sets of bench press we got yeah, catch but, up, I mean, right? that's so a very, it is important. Yeah, good technique and I would encourage anything that can help long term, you know, even at the sake of, of minimizing the training a little bit um, because as you said, that will have longer term benefits overall, you know, cutting back a few sessions just to find out really what the issue is, yeah. Right. What are the uh, reasons the body, some body transformations fail? Is this 12 weeks enough for the body transformation? I think we touched that. And maybe some people need much longer time frame. I think we touched a little bit. But anyway, reasons some body transformation fails. Well, yeah, we've kind of, I mean, a lot of really what we've just discussed would be my big thing. So I, I think, I mean, I truth, honesty, this is... For me, time and time again comes up. I feel um, a lot of clients are dishonest to themselves and dishonest to their trainers about what's actually going on. Um, and this is unfortunate because the trainer's stuck in a position where what, what can they really say other than 
you know, I don't believe you or you're lying. Um, and this is obviously not a positive situation. Um, so yeah, so that I think honesty from the point of view of the client is, is very important. Um, in addition to that, um, yeah, timeframes, as we did discuss before, uh, again, through the advertising, you know, a lot of these before and after shots, um, are not realistic for the majority of the population again, because of that genetic issue. Um, so yeah, somebody who's been blessed with, uh, you know, a lower number of fat cells, you know, faster metabolism, um, better hormonal profile is going to respond better to a calorie restricted diet and, and weight training than a person with the opposite. Um, genetics. So yeah, genetics for me, um, linked in with time frame, big one, uh, honesty, another big one. Um, and again, coming back to mind, just the, the motivation, uh, desire, willingness to change all of those factors, just because someone's shown up to do the transformation and paid doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get a result. Yeah. yeah, and I and I think I agree with you, right? We see in so many, like I would say, fifty people gets this results within that twelve weeks time time frame, and fifty percent of people does not get right. Mm -hmm. And there is always something we why they are not getting. And I agree with you. And uh, I think uh, at the other part of the podcast, I will then touch a little bit sleep, the pre uh, stress, right? Because you mentioned hormonal profile, you mentioned genetics, and that's all uh, very important, um, mm -hmm. right? Mike, I think this is the biggest headaches of mine, <laughs> fat loss or weight loss, and what we should aim for and why. Um, well, for me, it, it would always be favored towards fat loss simply because I come from a bodybuilding background. So, um, I would never really want to be losing muscle. Obviously not everybody is the same as me and you may be a, a genetically gifted female who doesn't want to be muscular and therefore you may want to lose muscle too. I think that's kind of a rare situation, um, but it does exist. Um, but yeah, fat loss, you want to optimize body composition. So for me, that would be to either maintain or gain some muscle. So um, what is body composition? Can we explain that? So body composition would be the ratio of muscle to fat um, on the body. And you could include also right. water retention in there as well. Um, but to optimize body composition for the majority of people would involve building a certain amount of muscle mass and losing a certain amount of body fat. Um, within ranges that are specific to your goal. So if your goal is health, you may not want to be going down single digit body fat percentage levels. Um, and you may not want to be getting as big as a Mr. Olympia, but you're always, in my opinion, looking to reduce that body fat level and either maintain or gain a certain amount of of muscle fat. And I think there is... Oh, sorry, muscle fat. <laughs> muscle yeah, mass, mass. mass. There yeah. is lots of actually research confirming and um, favoring uh, body composition and uh, higher level of uh, lean muscle mass from the health perspective. Right? Yeah. So I definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm up to with you for the uh, fat loss. But why then we so obsess about weight loss? We look at the scale, oh my goodness, the numbers are there and you know... We're all yeah. getting crazy. Well, I think, yeah, it's kind of just a an outdated 
terminology really more than anything because to be fair weight you know most people still want weight loss um it's just an easier way to define things uh you know w when you're using body fat unless you're doing to be fair a dexa scan um you know it's debatable how accurate skin fold calipers are um you know bia which is the electrical devices used to measure body fat um so yeah i mean obviously from an even uh cruder type of measurement you have the mirror um so you can physically see fat uh coming off but yeah weight loss is just a term i think used before people became more aware of the difference in obviously losing muscle and and losing you know fat um so i wouldn't necessarily get overly uh pointing the finger at people for using the word weight loss but right. yeah we you can obviously lose a significant amount of you know water or you could end up losing muscle and that not not necessarily actually improve your health whereas obviously reducing body fat within a healthy level is going to be good yeah 100% yeah. that's why uh, if we all get just one thing from to take podcast is look at the body fat not at weight loss but if you focus on weight loss i want to explore that picture mm -hmm. what scale number on the scale may may mean mike because it's not just the number of fat as a you know number of kilos we have and there is like only okay we 65 kilo fat that is not only that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm not. Is it like what? What? Uh, what? Um, we have that question. Let me let me go into that. What does weight scale scale tell us about actual weight? It is only how many pounds kilos we have. You mentioned yeah, well, the water retention. Yeah, for me, yeah, like so. Okay, so scales are important for me. It's simply because they are a good way of measuring what's going on in terms of are you going up, are you going down. Um, but yeah, they don't differentiate between what you're actually losing. You know, as we just touched on before, you know, have you lost just water, two, three kilos in water by, you know, reducing your carbohydrate intake? Have you, um, uh, you know, been overtraining and lost potentially muscle mass because you've been on a calorie restricted diet and therefore obviously weight has gone down? Likewise, the opposite weight may have gone up. You had a Uh, you know, you decide, your trainer decided to give you a higher carbohydrate day to support the training that you then have um, ahead of time or post-recovery um, and your weight has gone up and the client freaks out, think, assumes that they've gained fat and in fact all they've really done is re um, replenish glycogen but in turn elevated water retention. So, yeah, it's uh, it can be confusing but... That said, I still think the scales is an important and quick and efficient way of, of measuring things, but knowing the difference between actual fat loss and weight loss or weight gain and vice versa is important. And and and, it, and this is this what I'm trying to get from this podcast here, mm -hmm. right? And from this uh, question is not that we are going to say, please don't use the scale, right? If you are on the body transformation, but I think there is a nice way to go around that with being aware what this may mean mm -hmm. and if you can learn what this mean to you and you can correct it mm -hmm. right it's a good good start right yeah i think just to sort of yeah. further uh, reiterate there like yeah i think 
maybe I may be wrong, but if you're tight, a lot of women, um, but not just women, but a lot of women in particular, uh, fixated on on reducing weight, and like 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 you've touched on there, and, and we've both touched on. It may be that you are able to lose five, ten kilos even of fat, but in the process of doing that, you've also gained some muscle mass, and therefore the overall weight reduction may not be what you expected. But does that mean that you're any less of a transformation? And for those of us that are in the industry and understand these principles, you know, to a deeper level, the answer would be no. You know, you've had an amazing transformation, regardless of overall weight loss only being three kilos as opposed to five or six or whatever you had in mind. That, yeah. That's why uh, we talk about this personalization here, right? We cannot mm -hmm. uh, keep checking, oh, this person did that way, that person that way, and why I'm still here if I'm following similar thing, right? Mm. You are the individual and you have to think how those things works, works for you and then adapt and change accordingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and no, I think having more than one measuring tool so will solve this problem. So I was, I'm not a huge fan of, of calipers, although I do use them. Um, but yes, using a caliper to test the subcutaneous fat level, you know, to measure that, using the scales as well. And then, of course, using the mirror and even more basic, your clothes. Clothes, so, yes. I do you know, you combine all of those to get, a, you know, a um, bigger picture of what's actually going on. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and again, bigger picture and how while you're dropping the body fat, you're actually improving your health, mm -hmm. right? And I think that is another thing what wellness means. is a mental, physical, but ultimately you also get in healthier and inside out. Yeah. Mike, big topic, concept of calorie deficit. I feel that many people think about deficit as a low calorie diet. How can we do deficit so that it support our fat loss goal? and does not compromise our health. Can we do that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, again, it, it's, um, uh, this, this could be determined as well from a mental aspect as well, because my, my view on deficit is it's as big as you can handle, um, both mentally and physically. So obviously physically, if your deficit is too great, then you're gonna struggle to train and, and get the uh, physical aspect done. So whether it be cardio, gym sessions and such, and it can have a negative impact on performance. Um, from a mental state, um, going too big with your deficit, are you going to adhere to that diet? Are you going to be consistent? How long is it going to take before you, you know, you crack? Okay, so yeah, it's as large a deficit as you can handle and that's very individualized. So, you know, there'll be people that naturally are not, um, hungry that may be genetically through actual hunger signaling within the body it may also just be mental like what they've done before and how big an appetite and how how much food is a part of their life whether it be a, you know family whether it be work related um so yeah it's what you can actually handle and if you can handle a big deficit that doesn't impact performance then great all the power to you maybe you can't and that's okay too, but then we need to also ensure that deficit is there. We have at least some deficit, um, and then we work with that. So what is deficit, once again, if you could? 
So deficit, it just... Not everyone probably who hear us might understand, Okay, right? so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So a deficit is, we're just talking about calorie balance. So calories consumed, calories expended. And obviously, if we expend more calories than we consume, then we're creating a calorie deficit. Um, so that um, de- deficit can be created by restriction in the food intake or increase in the energy expenditure, so activity. Or both. Um, I personally like to work just off the nutrition first and then bring in the activity second. Um, uh, sorry, it's a correction. I tend to, yeah, well, it's a, it's a bit of a trick one there. But yeah, a decent size deficit through nutrition with a moderate deficit um, increase in activity. And then I will generally work on the activity first then deficit in the food lasts. So again, it's it's a fine balance between the two. But I I think I I, I do very similar. I wouldn't go straight into big cuts, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I, I think from the health perspective, that's what I'm mm-hmm. I'm very aware, right? And uh, and always that long term goal, right? So what I would always make client aware, right? What yeah. is after that? Because True. what I see, uh, many people goes into that deep, deep deficits, very huge cuts, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, if we clear, I do believe that cutting from our nutrition, um, all the junks we eat, mm-hmm. sugar, mm-hmm. can sodas, you know, processed food is already going to create big deficit, right? Mm-hmm. But then again, what as we discussed, depending what is your goal, the client goal at the end and how they commit to keep going uh, further, right? But where I'm going with this, I see so many people cutting so much, mm-hmm. right? And not necessarily even working with trainers. They're doing this on them all by themselves. They, they're just reading, let's do the visit. And then actually they get in this negative relationship with food or they cannot back themselves up or they end up with obsession with scale, because and you mentioned something interesting mike this exercise that also can increase our if we over exercise and can affect how much we yeah, are on the, the scale deficit. right yeah so yeah. how how do you think a person who just seen watch in so wants to lose uh, uh, weight or body fat right wants to do deficit how do they and they don't have idea they don't have a trainer Mm-hmm. right who is going to calculate this this for them how how should they approach this well i mean you you just doing um you know lifestyle i don't know when you use the word lifestyle but just uh guidelines nutritional guidelines i would call it so cutting out the junk reducing the frequency of eating out you know th- th- this could do although not very accurate in terms of specific numbers um this would should you know, uh, create a small deficit and in turn some results. Um, but I think most people should just spend the time really to, you know, nowadays there's no excuse. We have the internet. You can get online and figure out where, you know, using a basic formula like a Harris-Benedict formula, figuring out what your BMR is. So that's your basal metabolic rate, figuring out where you where you stand in the activity factor in terms of your job, um, your social commitments, sports, hobbies, etc. So in other words, there's formulas online that are real simple to use um, that you can work out where you're at in terms of your expenditure. So how many calories you expend, 
And then obviously the consumption comes into maybe doing something like a food diary. It's really important to have a starting point. And then I think with the deficit, um, you know, start small. I mean, you don't have to start small, but yeah, if someone's unsure, maybe going in, you know, 10 to 20% deficit, um, and we're talking about obviously figuring out your maintenance level. So the maintenance level comes from the formula I just explained, the Harris Benedict yes. is one. Um, and then figuring out the activity factor for how much you're actually expending um, outside of that basal metabolic rate. And then, you know, apply that 10 or 20% deficit. And if you're consuming good, good nutritious foods, uh, you know, not processed, no junk, you'll probably find you actually have a lot of food there that you can consume. So you don't, you know, you should feel satisfied um, and it'd be quite comfortable to follow a diet with a relatively small deficit. Um, so yeah, that would be my advice for, for someone who just wants to, you know, start off and not necessarily hire a trainer. Right. And we talk about uh, water retention. A bit, yeah. right? And I uh, see this also uh, on my female clients, but not only. How how do you think we can work out with this? How could we improve the water retention if we know that we're retaining that water? Well, you need to assess why you're retaining water. Um, you know, somebody who has a diet high in salt maybe retaining water through that. Um, a lot of females will retain water through their menstrual cycle. Um, any changes in the actual ratio of your macronutrients, so being more carbohydrate dominant. Um, so these are all factors you need to be, uh, both the trainer and the client needs to be aware of so that they're not mistaking um, a sudden gain in water retention as a gain in weight or a sudden loss in water retention as being a, a loss in fat because it may, you know, these again what we talked about with, you know, what actual weight we're losing. Um, but those, for me, are the kind of main factors that will influence water retention will be sodium, you know, salt. So, you know, looking at the foods you're eating, um, carbohydrate, yes. the ratio of carbohydrates that you're eating. It's a simple carbohydrates or complex carbohydrates. How how do they Either, they, they either both... will cause, yeah, can cause retention or will cause retention in water. So, you know, carbs once in the body will all be broken down into glucose. So it will all have the same effect in, in that respect. Um, the menstrual cycle is important because obviously a lot of um, differences between one female to the next, the length and then the impact, uh, you know, the hormonal response there. And females should be aware of that, right? Yeah, but a they, lot. May, they may not necessarily the, be aware yeah, of that. Yeah, that's why we're right? kind of exactly. stressing this yeah. out, right? And that, that can be a big shock to a female that's obviously on a transformation goal, um, following the diet. Um, you know, her time of the month comes, perhaps she gains weight, even though she's been following everything the trainer said. And obviously we, you, we need to be in a position to inform them or educate them that, you know, it's okay, this is temporary, that water retention will subside and they will be back where they were and hopefully maybe even in a better position if they continue that diet. Unfortunately, what can happen then is obviously a negative feeling from that gain in weight. Already some hormonal things going on, maybe causing different hunger signaling and they crack on the diet. So, yeah, these are definitely things that... that That's why it's so important and that is a, uh, um, a point of awareness uh, 
for our clients and customers who goes into body fat transformation, right? Choose guys, a trainer who actually does a proper consultation. Mm-hmm. And when you are female, actually is talking about your menstrual cycle, yeah. right? Because yeah. I think trainers do not do that enough. Yeah. And then way too often you might end up in that uh, situation. And this podcast is about bringing you awareness, not saying someone is wrong, someone is bad, right? Yeah. Uh, there, like you said, there's many ways to skin a cat, but we want to bring you awareness. So um, you don't freak out when <laughs> comes the time of the month, <laughs> right? Okay, Mike. Okay, we have a body transformation and then what about those people who suffer from chronic health conditions, right? Let's say PCOS, menstrual cycle fluctuation, maybe diabetes, maybe thyroid health, maybe Hashimoto autoimmune conditions, right? They also, they have some fat, right? There is any different way that they have to think about body transformation. It is something for them. How do you see this? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, you and I outside of the podcast obviously had discussions before about this subject. And I mean, it's certainly something that um, you have a lot more knowledge than me on. Um, and, um, but it's very, you know, that, that said, I know a little bit about, and I've worked with clients with some of these conditions. And I think, yeah, like anything that you can um, change for the better um, is going to help overall with your transformation. In other words, it may, you know, there's arguments, I know there's a lot of arguments out there with how much certain things will impact the rate of fat loss. And, you know, I think it's less important to worry about how much it's impacting and more to work out how much um, it's impacting that person's ability to follow the diet rather than necessarily a mechanistic thing that's going on. Like there are knock-on effects from, you know, PCOS, from uh, diabetes, absolutely. But the main thing that we're looking at with these clients a lot of times is fat loss, weight loss. And a lot of this is going to be come down to, to the basic principles that we've already discussed. However, if someone is not feeling comfortable, whether it be to do with, you know, elevated hormones and or low hormones absolutely if you can optimize those and change those for the better through nutrition through training through maybe even medication then then all the power to you and that should definitely not be ignored right and again i just want to lay lay this down because i want to make sure that trainers are aware right Mm -hmm. that this condition may have some impact but we do not forget about the principles yeah, hundred percent. Right. I think I just wanted to, you know, for me being, you know, again, a, a kind of brass tacks type of individual. Um, I, I, you know, it's really important that the the, the prince, basic principles are followed, um, and and not get sidetracked too much. Having said that, um, you can't ignore, you know, the overall mental um and physical well-being of the client in terms of how much that whatever their condition is affecting them because it can have knock-on effects it can also impact the rate of their fat loss for sure because again they're at a genetic disadvantage 
But in addition to that, mentally, like we talked about a lot before, if someone's not feeling good, then it's going to be a lot harder for them to follow a diet, to follow a training program. Yeah, so again, it comes down also to that uh, good, detailed uh, consultation, Mm -hmm. which everyone should have with the trainer. So the trainer is also informed, right? The trainer is not a health professional in that matter is on a nutritional therapist right we mm-hmm. get then that knowledge but then you know i think also the, we should clients should take um be advocate of their own health and well-being and be curious yeah. and i always tell my clients keep asking me questions sometimes i'm getting oh my goodness that's enough right mm-hmm. but i still will <laughs> encourage you to keep taking and asking questions right and keep fighting for your own health and uh, well-being mike you um very old way old fashioned way for uh, uh, for fat loss and you're using weight training mm-hmm. right i've learned from you a lot uh, we worked at once uh, at the ultimate performance together and um, why weight training Um, well, why not? <laughs> I don't know. Why yeah. not cardio? Oh, why cardio? No, it's, fu- of both. it's funny. Like, I mean, you, you know, Dario mentioned, uh, you know, we used to train at the same gym or work at the same gym. Uh, I'll give them another plug if you want. Ultimate Performance, yeah. the original Ultimate Performance team, I might add. And yeah, I mean, we were definitely pro Uh, weight training and this works and, yeah and it and it works i'm not i'm not now against weight training but just to throw that in there cardio has always been a big component for me coming from a bodybuilding background coming from a sporting background um you know there's there's many benefits to cardiovascular um training too not just for fat loss but also for performance so just to throw that out there but yeah weight training Yeah, what what can I say? I mean, we've talked about the benefit, health benefits of increasing muscle mass from, you know, improving your overall metabolism to, you know, strengthening bones, um, improving posture. You know, the list is is endless. Um, so, I think weight training as well is also, uh, in term from a training aspect, is a lot. There's a lot more variables to be able to manipulate. You know, whether it be changing tempo, increasing the load, number of exercises, um, order of exercise. There's a lot more you can do than you can with a cardiovascular form of training in terms of changing the stimulus um, and therefore in return um, eliciting a response. So, yeah, weight training, it's it's all about the weights. I love it. You know, I, I haven't done as much weight training before I joined uh, Ultimate Performance. My background is also athletic, right? And always cardio was around or strong uh, heat uh, training. Mm-hmm. But uh, I see huge, uh, huge, huge improvements on female body composition and female health from doing weight training. Much better results uh, in terms of dropping of the uh, body fat. And I think one of the main reason is because weight training improving so much hormonal profile mm-hmm. and i see female coming with menstrual pains and you know with pms within two three months of doing weight training okay they're on components of nutrition right but i do believe that it's coming lots down to weight training and what it does to our insulin testosterone progesterone estrogen Uh, all that uh, cascade yeah yeah, 100 i mean weight weight training should be the uh 
gold standard for any transformation. It should be a major component in the uh, physical aspect um, of transformation. Mike, one of the last two questions. What are your three tips for effective body transformation based on Porter principles? <laughs> okay, uh, kind of a, a tricky one. I'll try and do real quick here, but uh, simply because, again, I'm a big believer in um, you know, in the individual, so it may change from individual to individual. Um, but having a progressive um, program is very important. So what I mean by progressive is it may be at two, three, four-week intervals, but you're changing that program around. It could be small change. It could be dramatic change. Again, it depends on the many other variables, you know, experience of the train of the client, um, you know, length of time training, body types, etc. But you need to have some form of progression in your training program. So your resistance program, your cardio program, um, nutrition, um, works in a similar way, but I would say it'd probably potentially be more of a regression. So in other words, reducing calories over a period of time, it may be you start with a bigger deficit and you go into a smaller deficit, but again, having a structured, uh, game plan for what you're going to do with those calories and with that nutrition over the course of your transformation. And then lastly would be reward would be having some form of reward, I think is really important. Um, not necessarily every individual, there's individuals again, that can go through 12 weeks, head down, get it done. But there's a lot of people out there that work well off having small goals to work towards. So, you know, incorporating maybe diet breaks or cheat days, or cheat meals. I think it's really important to have something for someone to look forward to, um, to just make that whole process a little bit, uh, I don't want to say easier, um, but uh, yeah, well, we're going to go with easier. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, how can we find you, Mike? Um, probably the best way to find me, I'm quite old school, would be uh, just through email. And that would be michael at portprinciples.com. Um, but I am on Instagram amongst some pictures of my dogs. You might find a few <laughs> bits of nutrition and weightlifting advice. And that would be Porter Principles. Porter Principles. Yeah. Right. Thanks for listening to Daria. Ooh, oh, Mike, I have to say you first. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. And I hope everyone who is listening is clear, clearer about what needs to be done in order to succeed with a body transformation program. Thanks for listening to Daria Tiesler Pursuit of Wellness podcast. If you want to know more, check out my website www.dariatiesler.com. Join me next time when I will be talking with Olympian from the Sydney 2000 Olympics about top performance in Ayurveda and, and how can we actually, actually be top performance in our own life. Can balanced nutrition help us with that? Thank you for listening and see you soon. This podcast intends to optimize your health and well-being and does not substitute medical advice. It does not intend to sell and I do not get any profits from sales. <laughs>